So we are in our series called Choose Blessing. Um, if you remember from last week, oh, look, my chair appeared even closer. Uh, my, the, <laughs> that's also a Matt James. Did you move this? Matt, thank you. Uh, so we also know, like, um, last week we talked about how kind of the culture and society is always just like, you get a good parking spot, or you get a good deal on something, and you're like, hashtag blessed. But in this context, we are just choosing blessing because we understand that the, uh, that the scriptures show us how we can literally choose to live under the blessing of God. We talked about it sort of in general terms last week. We talked about um, obedience to the word of God. It puts you in a position of uh, being... Um, under the blessing of God. And we're going to get a little more specific in two other areas of our lives, and then we're, it's going to be the Advent series. So we're getting very close to Christmas, as Pastor Aaron, again, so excitedly shared with us this morning. <laughs> I actually thought this morning when I looked outside and saw the snow, I thought, we are Canadians, and we should probably just give a paused moment in our service so everyone can just talk about the snow. Like, we just, like, you feel like you have to discuss it. Like, I don't, there's just part of our culture. You have to discuss the weather everywhere. Maybe you did that in the lobby, so that's probably fine. If you haven't had a chance to get it off of your chest, how you felt, whether you're happy, whether you're sad, whether you're mad, you're glad, whatever, you could do that in the lobby after the service. We invite that expression. So today, we're going to talk about finances in the context of blessing. And I'm going to start by just asking this question. Why is everything so expensive? <laughs> Does anyone else just feel a little bit like you're swallowing panic uh, when you're at the grocery store um, and you're looking at the prices? And the panic doesn't come from things being more expensive in general. It comes from the fact that it's never going to get cheaper. Do you know what I mean? Like you're just like, so inflation, like it's not like inflation happens and then everything like settles back and everything gets cheaper again. Like we understand, and you're just like, it's gonna be fine, it's fine. It's okay, it's okay. That spaghetti sauce that I always got on sale for 99 cents is never going to be cheaper than $2 now. Like that's just the way it's going to be. Because everyone's like, stop talking about this, stop it. We have inflation, obviously the interest rates are uh, like, uh, like I, I'm listening to 570 News all the time, it's like constantly in the business news. They're talking about a coming recession in 2023. <laughs> It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. It's in the news. It's everywhere. I know you're feeling this as well. And um, I know I'm starting to sound old. I'm fine with it, actually. But I've been, like, having conversations with my kids. Um, all of my kids have their G2, so there's five drivers in our house. And so they have freedom that they didn't have before to go places they could go on their own where mom and dad didn't have to take them. And I've been talking to, like, we've had conversations, like, talking about filling up the tank for 50 cents a liter when I was their age, I'm using phrases like that now. You know you're getting a little older when. And um, do you guys remember Gas Wars? Remember Gas Wars? Wasn't that awesome? If you're younger and don't know what Gas Wars are, it's, it was just the best thing ever where gas stations would compete for the lowest price and you just won as a consumer every time. And, and so the kids will ask me like, oh, hey, um, can I take the car to go, you know, somewhere? And I'm like, and who's paying for that? You know, that's my, my, my go-to response. Oh, who's paying for the gas for that? And they'll be like, oh, I don't know. You're going to Cambridge? What's in Cambridge? You don't need to go all the way to Cambridge. Like, that's, the, like, that's kind of the feeling right now. I'll put gas in the car. It's like, you can't afford gas in the car, you know? Like, this is, this is kind of how things go now, so it goes. So the question, the question that has occurred to me as I've been thinking about blessing and, and thinking about this topic specifically is, have we asked ourselves, have I asked myself, not just whether or not, like, the, you know, the financial outlook in culture is such and such. Have I asked myself, 
So oh, if this is true, and it is, then what should the response of a Christ follower be? If this, then what? I was, I, I don't really, we don't really put it in that context very often, at least I don't. Um, I mean, like in, in the pandemic, uh, remember the pandemic? Uh, there certainly was a fear response to that from culture and me. There's so many unknowns, so many things out of our control. And the response you get when you are afraid like that is uh, sometimes anger, sometimes despair, sometimes doomsday predictions. Um, kind of have this, I don't know if it, was for, if it was like actually coined during this time, but the idea of doom scrolling, you know what doom scrolling is on your phone, like through your news feed, just looking for bad news after bad news after bad news. But the question is, so have we ever thought about if those things are true and there's fear and there's worry in the culture around us, have we thought as Christ followers, then what should our response be to the things going on in the world around us? We don't bury our heads in the sand, we don't pretend it doesn't exist. Like, and of course, that would be ridiculous. I, I'm not sure that we often put the economy through that filter. Have you ever done that before? But shouldn't we? Just like everything else in our lives, shouldn't everything go through the filter of, okay, so this is what's going on in the world around us. How then should I respond as a Christ follower? It, just like everything else, we should be looking at, like, we know, we know what the life of a Christ follower should be. It should be about peace and trusting in God and, and to feel the safety that comes with knowing you're cared for by your Heavenly Father. It should be a response of generosity, even when it feels like you should be hunkering down, Right? So this topic is a part of our, like I said, our Choose Blessing series because I believe the scripture says that when we live under God's blessing in our finances, um, we, we, can, we can do that, uh, but not only can we just do that kind of by accident, but that we can choose it when we do things God's way. And we can look at, no matter what the culture says, no matter what the headlines are, we can look at our finances in a very different way. Um, so let's just take a moment before we start and let's package up a very unhelpful concept, okay? Blessing, financial blessing does not equal riches, okay? When I say financial blessing, you might hear independently wealthy. That is not what I mean, okay? So let's just be really clear about that. would be great, but that's not what I mean. Uh, remember from last week that blessing means God's gracious favor, his grace, and his peace and true happiness in our lives. It has so much more to do with what is going on inside of us than what uh, we have or what the external circumstances of our lives are. Because the external circumstances of our lives are temporary. We have an eternity to look forward to. So we will box up this term, independently wealthy, and I want you to put it somewhere far, far away. Fair? Everybody's cool with that? Let's just put it far, far away. And when we hear the word blessing and financial blessing, we will hear God's favor, grace, and peace in our lives. Good? Yes. Okay, good. Those are the rules of engagement for this morning. Um, I want you to remember our guiding verse from last week for this series from Deuteronomy 30, uh, verses 19 and 20. It says, I have set before you, this is Moses talking to the Israelites about um, all the things that God had said. And he says, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. So how do we apply these things when it comes to our money and our stuff? So there's two things I want you to consider this morning, then we're going to tell some stories. 
Uh, the, the first thing is our attitude, and the second thing is action. There is an attitude about, about finances that leads to action that invites the blessing of God in our life. That's the equation we're going to work through just now. There's an attitude that leads to action that invites the blessing of God in our life. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Here's the attitude. In Matthew chapter 6, I'll be on the screen for you. Also, if you're in the version app, especially high off campus, how's everybody? How are you? Uh, you can also, of course, grab it in the version app, uh, go to more and then events. And also, while you're in the version app, make Freedom your church. Has, a few of you have done that. I saw that. Make us your home church. And then uh, we can secretly track you. No, not, not at all. Not at all. That's not what we do. Uh, so while you're in there, you can do that, but uh, in the version app. So Matthew, Matthew 6, we're going to start at verse 25. In the NIV, the heading, if you have it in front of you, if you uh, the, the heading in the NIV, if you have it, say it with me. It says, do not worry. Right? This is what this section is entitled. Now, I don't think Jesus taught it like this in the Sermon on the Mount, by the way. He didn't go, all right, this section is called, but okay, just for our benefit, I want you to understand what we're talking about. Matthew 6, 25, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in birds, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? Like, how do you see how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So when we look around at everything, everything that we need in this life, the things we need just to get by, we're not talking about buying fancy cars or, or ex, you know, expensive things. Like we're just talking about like just the things that we need to get by in this life. What is the, what is the attitude that Jesus teaches us to adopt here in, in Matthew 6? In the negative, state in the negative, he says, don't worry. Don't worry. And in the positive, he's saying basically, trust God. The Father knows what you need. You can trust him for everything. And what's interesting about this passage is if, it, if you've been around the church for any length of time, you've probably heard it before. It's a beautiful passage of scripture, very well known. But what's interesting about it is that it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Each day has enough trouble of its own. And of course, I can't add hours to the day by worrying about the time. And obviously, my Father, my Heavenly Father knows what I need. Like these things are like when you read them, you go, yeah, that makes perfect sense. But seeking his kingdom first and trusting him for all of that to be true in your everyday life, hmm, when those bills are due and you don't know what you're going to do, when the car breaks down, in my case, again, and again, and again, or, this is just to speak life into some of you, when you have a variable rate mortgage right now. Just, mm, we're starting a support group, okay. 
and interest rates keep going up. When these practical things hit your life, what do we do with Matthew chapter 6? Can we really trust him for all of these things when the rubber meets the road? It's hard to get from agreement with what It makes total sense what Jesus is saying, but it's hard to get from agreement to reality. In practical terms, I think this means you don't have to lose one minute of sleep over having your needs met. When you work on your budget at home, there isn't a tightness in your chest, but there's a peace in your spirit. This is what that looks like. And I don't have a 10-step program to help you with how to do this. I know someone who does. But um, I'll, just, I'll just tell you what I do. When it comes to the attitude surrounding being financially blessed, I'll tell you what I do um, and in this area of my life, but it, of course, spills over into other things. And I just would name it recognize and release. I recognize in my life when I am experiencing worry, anxiety, stress, fear, or even striving. Sometimes in my life, I'm like a type A, like let's just do the, all the things kind of a person. So sometimes it's striving. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to control it by figuring it out myself, you know, and I can recognize that in my life now. So I try to recognize when those things are happening, that worry and that stress, and say, oh, this is not, this is not how I'm supposed to be living. Admit that to God. Share it with Rob, especially we're talking about finances, because that's a family affair. Share, I'm, I'm stressed about this, I'm thinking about this, I'm worried about this. Say it out loud. Let all, of the, let it, all the power that it has over you kind of dissipate. And then ask Jesus to help me trust him. So that's what I call recognize and release. When I feel something that does not line up with what I just read here about do not worry, when I'm sensing that anxiety, I'm sensing that stress, I want to recognize it, I want to say it out loud, and I want to release it back to Jesus and say, oh yeah, you, I, you said I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry. It doesn't mean I don't have to do anything, but it means I do not have to live in a place of worry or stress or anxiety. And oftentimes, I have to give it to Jesus and then go do it again and then do it again, and then do it again, and get into this pattern of doing it over and over again. But I will tell you that over time in my life, recognizing attitudes that are not lined up with this Matthew 6 passage, and releasing that to Jesus over and over again gets easier. And the reason it gets easier is because of the old hymn, uh, really said it well, speaking of songwriters, uh, the poets of the church who help us. Because I was thinking about this, it gets easier when I can give things over to him over and over again because Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him, o'er and o'er, right? Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Poets of the church, right? They help us so much. And because as I learn with that, to have that attitude of not worrying, recognizing that worry, recognizing that stress, giving it to Jesus, trusting him again, trusting him again, and then guess what happens? He consistently comes through for me. He consistently provides for what I need. He, he, he consistently uh, brings into my life, uh, maybe not what I, th I thought I needed, but what I actually needed. And he, he does it over and over and over again. And so that releasing those things to him gets easier over time because you realize how he's proved himself or and or. And I just want to tell you, by the way, we're talking about being financially blessed today, but um, this recognize and release of stress and worry, that, that works in every area of your life. It really does. Every time you sense those things that you know don't line up with this, you can say, Lord, I am worried about this. I want to give that to you. 
And then maybe five minutes later, you might have to do it again, but I promise you it gets easier over time. It takes so much intentional effort, but it is very, very worth it. Romans 8, 6 says it like this, the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. This idea of recognizing and releasing those things is life and peace. And so that, you know, might be like, how are we talking about financial blessing in this? You know, we're getting there. That's the attitude of someone who is in the place to be blessed financially by the Lord. The attitude of someone who is not worried, not striving, not anxious, not stressed, but trusting God with everything that they need. That's the attitude that we're looking for. But it is more than just the right attitude. It's taking that attitude and applying it to the principles that God has laid out for us already in the scriptures. Because it's difficult, though, to do those actions, those, to, to, to follow through on those principles, unless you have that right attitude that's going to support it, that attitude of trust. But when you set these things up together, that attitude of trust put together with the actions and the principles in Scripture, you are choosing then to live a blessed life. And I'll put this idea, this actions piece, we talked about the attitude, the actions piece, under a banner we'll call stewardship. And what is stewardship? Stewardship is um, a manager. A steward is a manager, someone who looks after someone else's business affairs. When the word steward is used in scripture, that's what it is talking about. And in the Bible, we see this term uh, frequently. And in newer translations, that, that term steward is often changed to manager, something like that. So it, you, you'll see it both ways. In the Bible, we see that term refers to someone who cares for their master's holdings but doesn't own anything for themselves. The steward was taken care of by the master, got to enjoy the security of having the, the resources of the master at their disposal as long as he was faithful with those resources. And that was, that's the picture of the steward we have in Scripture. A couple of uh, parables Jesus used and used this picture of, of the manager or the steward, Matthew 18, the parable of the unmerciful servant. Uh, Matthew 24, the faithful and the wicked servant. Matthew 25, the parable of the... Okay, if you grew up in the church, it's the parable of the talents. Everybody knows it's the parable of the talents. The new NIV calls it the parable of the bags of gold. It's hard. It's hard, but it's true, and it's fine. It's the same principle. It doesn't matter what you call it. But yes, the parable of the bags of gold in Matthew 25, or maybe better known as the parable of the talents. Jesus taught about this idea of managing things for the master. And the one who is shown favor by the master in Jesus' teaching, the one who gets a well done, good and faithful servant, come and share in your master's happiness, is the one who understands uh, who, who understands who everything uh, belongs to and managed those things accordingly. So faithful stewardship is managing everything with that view and, and that, that everything is God's and that we're just caring for it in this life. And this, the, I know that sounds a little bit like it belongs in the, act, the attitude category, which it is, except for that it leads to, understanding this, this principle leads to the actions that put you in a place of blessing. Because it does a couple of things for you. When you understand that everything in your life is actually God's and you are just stewarding it in this life, and you're going to do the best you can for him with his stuff. And then you are eventually going to be rewarded for that. It does a couple of things for you. First of all, it takes the pressure off of you. Because you can just, if you understand that all of the resources at your disposal are God's, and you're managing them, then it's so much easier to apply the Matthew 6 principle of do not worry. It's his stuff. It's not yours. It takes the pressure off of you. And secondly, 
Like I said, it sets you up for blessing. Spiritually, financially, emotionally, all the things. When you understand that the stuff in your life is yours to manage for God. You may not see riches in this life. I know you're hoping I was going to say something different, aren't you? I'm sorry. You may not see riches in this life. Actually, it was so funny. We were, we were at a, a shower. A bunch of us were at a shower on Friday night. There was like an icebreaker question. One of the questions was, what's the first thing you would buy if you, if you got, were given a million dollars or won a million dollars? We were like, what does even a million dollars get you anymore? Like, you know, like, you can't even buy a house anymore for a million dollars. Like, that was, you know. So riches are, riches are so fleeting. Like, what, what something is worth and what's, it's just so fleeting in this life. So you may not see that. You may not have a huge bank account balance in this world. But when you do these things with God's way, it does, that won't matter to you because what you are managing, you're doing for God and it will be well with your soul all the way through your life. And of course, you will share in the inheritance of Christ for eternity. It's so good. And it's so much more valuable than anything that you could accumulate on, on this earth. So if I was a cheesy preacher, I might say something like, mm, do it your way, <laughs> hey, bae. do it your way and be stressed. Do it God's way and be blessed. But I won't say that because that's super cheesy. So that's what other cheesy preachers might say, but I won't say do it your way and be stressed. Do it God's way and be blessed. But if it sticks in your head and it helps you, like that's okay. So what is God's way of financial stewardship that leads to blessing? What, is, what are those things? What are some of those principles? Well, we don't have time to go through all of them today. I was really more interested in telling you that you can choose these things. And there are so many beautiful things that you can walk out in your life to live under the principles and blessings of God. There is a lot to say about it. In fact, we actually have a whole connecting point group that's dedicated to learning these godly principles for finances um, called financial peace. So it's, it'll probably be called something different in the future. Joel and Caitlin have led this group for many years. Um, and the, the top five things, that, like practical things, are things like, first of all, get on a budget. These are practical. Again, we would take the attitude of stewardship, we take the attitude of trusting God, and we apply it to these things that are the principles from Scripture. Make a plan for what you're going to steward. Luke 14, 28 says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost, see if you have enough money to complete it? We know that in Scripture that God rewards competence. Luke 16 says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? So we, we know that planning for our finances, making, putting, putting things in place so that we can steward things well is a great principle in Scripture. The second one is uh, get out of debt and stay out of debt. This is a very, very countercultural thing to say. But scripture is very clear that the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Scripture never shows debt in a positive light. Never shows debt in a positive light. Dave Ramsey says it like this, there's nothing wrong with having nice stuff as long as your nice, nice stuff doesn't have you. And that's, that, that, that is so kingdom, that's such a kingdom principle, to not let yourself be a slave to something, but the culture will teach you differently. I completely understand that. I was so mad when my, when my oldest daughter turned 18 and she went to the bank to exchange her Canadian money for American so that she could take it to Ethiopia with her, 
and she had literally turned 18 like a couple months earlier, and it was, congratulations, here's your first credit card. She's like, oh, I don't need a credit card. Oh, yes, you do. And it was like this whole, like they were selling, like, and I, I was so livid. And I was like, I was waiting for her in the car. I'm like, what's going on in there? What's going on? I come in, and they're like, oh, they're going to, they're going to, oh, he's trying to tell me that I, I need a credit card. And I was like, oh, oh, Mama Bear, she's an adult. She's an adult. She can make her own decisions. But Mama Bear was there going, there's a different way. There's another way. Well, I was like, let me just take you to Proverbs 22.7, right? Whatever. It's so countercultural. And there's, there's so many things about that. And we're not, I'm not shaming credit cards. I'm not shaming you in any way, shape, or form. But just to say that the scriptures would say, there is another way than what the culture teaches us. Third, one, uh, third principle would be build quality relationships. This is maybe a little bit, a little bit less obvious. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, bad company corrupts good habits because you become like the people that you hang around with. So be cautious about what kinds of conversations you have with money with the people around you. When I'm with generous people, I am inspired to be generous. When I'm with people who are, who are mindful and good stewards, that inspires me to do the same. And I'll tell you, friends, keeping up with the Joneses is a real thing. The comparison trap, the enemy would want to push that on us over and over again. The culture just like explodes it on every form of media and you have to fight against it and say, oh no, I'm going to be in relationships where stuff and things are not the topic. I, I'm just stewarding these things for the Lord and however he wants me to do that and however generous I can be and whatever, that's what I want to focus on and I want to be around people who share that with me. The fourth one in scripture we see is save and invest money. Proverbs 21.20 says, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. <laughs> Saving for things like emergencies and buying things with cash so that you don't have to be in debt. Investing for the future. All of these things are found in the scriptures. And of course, the fifth one that I'll share this morning is to give because it is the most fun you can have with your money. It is so fun. 2 Corinthians 9.7 says, God loves a cheerful giver. Because God is so generous with us, and when we give generously, when we just live with a generous spirit, with our hands open instead of our fists clenched, we reflect the character of God. Giving also transforms you into a generous person. It changes your spirit. And so in this case, sometimes the action needs to come first so that it can transform your attitude. Sometimes you need to just step out in generosity, even if you don't feel it, even if you don't whatever, and then it will start to transform your attitude when you see like, what a blessed life it is to be able to be generous and not be worried about your stuff and close-fisted. It's a beautiful thing. Malachi 3.10, of course, says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, the Lord says, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough room to store it. The idea that is all through scripture, this is Old Testament, but in New Testament we get this picture of uh, just extreme generosity, just meeting whatever need that the Lord puts in front of you and trusting him with everything. And so we have these, these and, and many more, but these to start with, these kind of practical actions that come from the attitude that, that trusts God, like Matthew 6, and when Jesus teaches us to just trust him with the things that we need. The Father already knows. And to, 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 to grab onto those things and let them go deep into your heart and let them inform everything else about what you do. Taking those principles and saying, yeah, I, I don't have to worry I can trust him. In fact, my whole life is just all things that the Lord has given to me. I'm going to steward them well for him. 
And so there are, and then I'm going, so I'm going to look into the word and find the practical applications so that I can do things well. And I'm telling you, friends, because I've seen it in my own life, I've seen it in many of your lives, I've seen it over and over and over again, that forget what the culture tells you, that when you, when you work from this attitude into these actions, when you do finances God's way, you are literally choosing to live under the blessing of God, his favor and his peace. That's why the financial, financial peace is the name of the small group. Because I don't know about you, but I've, of, of all the things to be stressed about, money always hits the top. This is what breaks up marriages. This is what disintegrates relationships. Money is so, it's so, it gets so close and corrupts our hearts so quickly. So when we lay these things in the action, in the attitudes that the scripture lays out for us and then using biblical principles for the actions of it, there is a, there is a beautiful, beautiful blessing from the Lord in that. And one of the biggest rewards is just the peace that you get to live with. So there's lots of practical things and we're going to give you some um, Joel's going to come and help me in a minute, and we're going to tell you, if you, if you want to walk in these things and this is new for you, or you want to tune these things up for your life or for your family, we're going to give you some practical ways to do that. But before we do, I want to share a couple stories with you. I asked, uh, I, was just, I just want to say thank you so, so much to Joel and Caitlin, who, like I said, have been leading this group for, and they're so, they are so passionate about this whole topic. And um, I told them uh, several weeks ago about what I was going to be speaking on this morning. And they went to their small group, like past members, and they asked them, well, do you have stories? Can, can you share what it has meant in your life to do finances God's way? What has that looked like for you? Does it actually work? And would you share the stories? And so they put together three stories. The one I did a Zoom interview. <laughs> I think just because of the way Zoom, you know how Zoom like, like grabs the camera weird? I think there's one moment where there's just me going, ah, like and saying nothing else. But I figured you guys, we've been on Zoom enough that we all understand it's not a perfect system. And, uh, and so I, I was able to do a, a beautiful Zoom interview with Frank and Melissa Hoff. Oh, I loved what they shared. Um, I was able to uh, videotape, and you'll hear that. That I'm in, I just always have to insert myself into every conversation, I guess. But um, that and Joel interviews uh, Nate uh, Snitlaga, and he is talking about those things. And in the middle of that, um, there was one person who wanted to re remain anonymous, but wrote a letter. And um, in that letter, uh, talked about where they where they had come from in their financial journey. And uh, Joel and Caitlin just wanted to uh, add some scriptures. So they put some scriptures into that testimony that they shared. So thank you again, Bromleys, for helping me with this. Um, and I, I want to invite you to watch these stories with me as we see how these things play out in real life. Finances is, is very scary. I don't, I, you know, how anybody wants to put it. It's really hard to look yourself in the mirror and say, okay, this is where we are. In, in all the choices we've made, you can't erase them, you can't undo them, you know, but it was, it was okay to say, hey, this is my starting point. And at this point, how do we build up from there? And I, think I came into the workshop unaware that money and Christianity went hand in hand. That was something, a new concept for me, enlightening. And to understand that finances and money and financial peace can be a gift from God. So then knowing to financial peace that God's going to take care of you and you don't really need to want for anything. It's just about being a joyful giver and getting your finances in order and managing it appropriately. And then the blessings that come with it is, it's amazing, actually. It's mm -hmm. bewildering. You said, I didn't know that um, Christianity was tied to finance. 
Um, and when they started going through examples, it gave me great strength. It actually took away a lot of fear um, and gave me better resolve to look at these things and say, you know what, we can do this because there's been a lot of other principles that the Bible has, you know, God has given us that we've used that have worked phenomenally. So, you know, to, to trust in that and, and use it as much as it was super uncomfortable, it was very, very uncomfortable to say, okay, we're going to, we're going to do this. We're going to look at the, uh, the bank statements. We're going to look at the credit cards and, you know, inherently you have this fear, but you know, prior to this, we were, you know, we were taught to believe that, you know, if we have stress or fears to give that to God, alleviation of, of, of fear or anything we need for provision is from God. And so we know where to lay those things a little bit better now. You almost have this aha moment when you realize when you seek guidance and it does make a difference um, and your decisions are different and you actually listen to the Holy Spirit that's in the back of your head and you abide by that it works and it makes sense and it does make a difference. You know, God is the greatest financial advisor you can ask for. We, God is always for your greatest benefit. And that's why you can trust him and you can always follow that through. And there's Dewey. <laughs> and there's Dewey. No, sweetie. No one's here. No, no one's here. Um, it's had nothing but a positive impact on our family. Uh, for Frank and I together as a couple in our relationship and marriage, but also for our children as well. It's given us perspective. It's given us opportunities. It's changed so we can tell our money where to go and how to work for us. And it's, um, it's been good. Also has provided us more opportunity to do more things. Um, so that doesn't necessarily mean we have to spend money to do more things, but it certainly allows us to go and do more things and not have to worry about being at work, always making money to, to compensate. So it's freed us that way in our heart and our, our purse strings to just be with our family more without having to work more. Being Christian, but not having been raised in such a background, um, having my relationship with God, this just kind of allowed me the opportunity to become closer as well. Um, I mean, it started with money, which is something we all deal with, but then to have that ability to have that one-on-one -on -one and redirect the thought process and the relationship with God has been delightful. You literally have nothing to lose but debt. That's, yeah, yeah. there's no, there's debt. Yeah. Stress. Debt. If, you, <laughs> if you want to hold on to stress and you want to carry that around like a weight around your neck, please just don't go to the course. Just ignore it altogether. We joined the Biblical Finances small group led by Joel and Caitlin a few years ago. I'll admit that when we joined the group, I was skeptical. Skeptical whether it would have anything new to tell us, and most of all, skeptical that even if it did suggest something new for us to try, would it even work? We had been living with crushing debt that gradually grew over several years. By the time we had joined the group, we had accumulated $175,000 in debt. We had tried unsuccessfully, many times on our own, to find a way to pay it off. No matter what we tried, it felt like we were moving in circles. The debt never went away and it would continue to grow. I have worked in financial institutions for many years and was very familiar with worldly methods of eliminating debt and practical ways of achieving this. I'm embarrassed to say that it never came to mind to not only pray for the Lord's help with our debt repayment, but that he had instructions in his word for us to follow that would help us. Even though we felt nervous, we started the steps discussed in the group for getting on track with biblical financial principles. The first step in our journey was simple yet huge, get out of debt. 
Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Romans 13, verse 8. We worked so hard over the next two years, picking up additional jobs and making major sacrifices as a family. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Proverbs 22, verse 7. It seemed daunting, but God provided in the most amazing ways. Almost all of our debt was repaid during the pandemic. God gave us intense determination and strength, both physically and emotionally, to push through the challenges. It was addictive to see our list of debts becoming smaller and smaller. Crossing items off was so exciting. We've kept these notes and will never forget being in that place and how God rescued us from what we saw as impossible. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lamentations 3, 22-23 We never stop tithing ever, even during our many years of struggling. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Proverbs 3 verse 9 I was worried that we might fall into old habits and that maybe the practices we put in place over the past few years only happened for that season in our life. I'm happy to say that it's a normal thing for us. It was so freeing to not wake up every morning trying to figure out how to pay bills and make our money stretch. We started a budget binder with monthly expenses and keep track of every purchase we make. It may sound over the top to some, but it works for us. We had tried so many other ways and they didn't work. This does. We can spend money guilt-free and know exactly where it's going and that we're living within our income. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. Proverbs 21 verse 20. The life lesson was not easy. It was the hardest thing we've ever done, but it was without a doubt the most rewarding. We did it together, and we did it with God's hand of provision and his love covering our goals and our hearts. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Jeremiah 17 Verse 7 and 8. The way my dad taught me mm-hmm. to always pay cash and not go in debt for things, but make sure to save up for it so then you have money for when it comes. My parents always told me right from the beginning, uh, tithe, 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 believe in God, because mm-hmm. he will always look after you. Okay. And everything, money, money is no different. Why would he look after you in all these other areas, but not mm-hmm. financially? Mm-hmm. Right. So it sounds like there was things that... Um, you were already doing right when you came to the group. So I thought. But I, <laughs> I know there's more to learn. But it was also a weird time in our life because we recently moved to Canada and we mm. had nothing. So we had to, you know, buy our plates, our cups, our light bulbs, everything, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and furnish our house. So we we're doing that as well as me having my new company and then doing financial peace and trying to put it all together and go, okay, but we still need money for food as well as we need some more plates or cups or a kitchen table. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it, it was a bit stretching there to go, okay, we should also save money for an emergency fund and a little bit for here. And you know, I, I got mostly worried when you guys asked to cut up credit cards. In the group. <laughs> <laughs> there was a couple of shock faces then as well. There was, yeah. but yeah. it felt good. That's not mandatory, by the way. That's... that's uh, just something, an exercise that we worked through, and, and it was actually pretty neat, wasn't it? It was. It was pretty neat, uh, because we know, yes, we can believe in God to give us money and help us financially, but we can't just sit there going, oh, yeah, he'll, he'll provide. We just sit back and relax. No, we have to move forward and keep trying, and that's where I saw going to this course was, 
I want to learn. I want to get to know more. I'm sure there's something here I don't know, whether I know a lot or a little. <laughs> there's always some small pieces I'm going to pick up. So, absolutely, it's always distorted for it. It's helpful though, to be able to just walk through that. We don't know all the answers, right? But no. we, know, we know somebody who does. And um, to be able to look through what the Bible says and what God has to say, isn't that really a, a, a blows my mind every time. Even this past uh, summer when we were in Germany and Zafia got sick and we're like, well, you don't know if we have travel insurance. Mm-hmm. So we're like, and they were saying, it's going to cost you at least a thousand euros a day. If not more, we're like, oh boy, but it's like, well, it's the life of Zafia. And we're like, we have an emergency fund. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're like, okay, we're, we'll build that up slowly over the next few years back up to where it is. Uh, but it just gave us this peace that, yeah, it doesn't matter. We're good. Just try it. Try God's way and see how it just works. It works really well. And it may be a bit tough and awkward and feel discomforting at first because you've learned a whole different way. But it is amazing and it's brought this amazing peace that I don't have to worry about my finances so much because there's a plan here, there's a plan here, I got this to fall back on. He's just thought it all through. Mm-hmm. He kind of built the universe and all, but <laughs> he's also figured that one out. As you dove into this with Pernella, did it do anything for your relationship with each other, communication, closeness, intimacy, anything that, that um, did it do anything other than just make our finances more peaceful? Definitely brought us more closer together because before... Beforehand, we I took care of the finances just purely on me and Pernell would just say, "Oh, do we have money for this?" I go, "Yes or no." I'm not with that. Uh, now, after after I think it was right around taking financial peace is when I started to realize actually I should bring her, get her involved with me, and it really got us connected a lot more in a different way and just yeah, more intimate in life. Mm-hmm. And so now it's like, "Oh, honey," and we talk about this and talk about that, and it's actually been really good. To, to have somebody to bounce it off of or even be accountable for. It's like, hey, I noticed you bought this. Why did you do that? We don't have it in the budget. Or, you know. <laughs> so it's been really good. Yeah. Right. Okay. What? It's not just you who see that I buy stuff. Yeah. I'm also good. You make me sound so <laughs> Like she's a spender. You're like the problem. <laughs> well, Can we clarify on, uh, for the video that Pernell is not the problem? <laughs> Pernell is not the problem. <laughs> <laughs> we together... We together spend money. I'm also budget money. Yes. Yeah. I'm quite terrible too. Cut. <laughs> just wanted to honor Pranilla. Just make sure that we didn't misunderstand anything. That everything is fine. Uh, Joel, can you just join me for a minute? Where are you? Um, so um, I wanted this morning, knowing full well, there is no way that you could, in a Sunday morning time slot, really um, give all the things that you want to learn about this, what the, you know, completely what the word of God would say about our finances. Uh, There is, like Nate so nicely said, there's just so much to learn. There's so much in the word. And as we grow in our faith, we grow in all of these things, in all the principles that God has for us, you know, and this this morning, of course, talking about this particular topic. And so um, Joel and Caitlin, as you saw, have just been doing such an excellent job with our Financial Peace small group. They are so passionate about this. And um, I, just, I just wondered, as we close this morning, I asked Joel to come and say, like, so if someone's sitting here and saying, this is me, I do not have 
peace in my finances. I don't even know, maybe I don't, like I don't even know what God's word says or whatever. What are a couple of things that people could do to start from today? Some different people they could talk to or some action items that they could have and, and go from here. So if you wouldn't mind sharing a few. I'm not gonna tell you guys all the practical stuff to cut stuff out of your budget. So like I said, we're not gonna go into that. That is something that you can- Is, that my, is this mic on? Oh. That is something okay. that you can do. Uh, but really what we do in, in the small group, what Caitlin and I do in coaching, uh, there's kind of three th major things that we do. So we refocus, gain control, and set a plan. And that's just a perpetual thing that you continue to do through your life as you, as you reach the next step and reach the next step. And refocusing looks a lot like um, evaluating your, your, um, how you look at life your priorities, uh, your, um, what God has to say in your life, and really seeking out what he has to say in your life. Um, we look at our core values, and, and, and we start to use those things as measuring sticks to all of our choices. And so when we look at all the choices you have to make, we start to measure against those things, and that's what, mm -hmm. what kind of gets us that refocus, and that's going to change as we go through. Uh, and then... Um, gaining control, we start to apply some of those things. Some of that looks practical, mm -hmm. budgets and stuff like that, but really hearing what, what God is asking you to do, and you heard over and over and over again, there was, there was some practical number type stuff, but a lot of it was going to God. Mm -hmm. A lot of it was asking what he wanted. A lot of it was uh, what, is, what does he want? And, and in those times mm -hmm. where we don't have, we can't do anything about the interest rates. I no. can't anyways. No. Um, we can't do anything about the, the gas prices right. and, and all those kinds of things. But when we, when we go to God and seek out, um, and that applies to, you're talking about yep. money being applied to our, our life and stuff like that. When we go to God about our parenting and we go to God yep. about our right. thing. Not that we, we can't control any of that stuff. So, um, yeah, just really starting to, um, ask God to help us to start gaining control of, of, the different things and then start to make a plan and that's when you get kind of tactical and practical and you know the budgets and the all those kinds of things but um really that number one that first step that refocusing and and just inviting god into um and choosing that that's the that's the the biggest thing i was explained um before i became a christian um you have a choice of this free gift that god's giving you uh to to follow him and, and this in the same way, you have the choice to look through this instruction manual and do what he has already laid out for you to do. Mm -hmm. uh, we just have to choose to do that. Yeah. So. so you're in the middle of a financial peace small group right now. So it's not a great time to join because you're halfway through it or almost almost kind of to the end of the semester probably. Mm -hmm. So that's one practical thing though. We, we are looking at perhaps the opportunity to run it again in the new year. Mm -hmm. And so the timing of this message makes no sense with that group. <laughs> I completely respect that. But just so that you know, be, be mindful and, and uh, be watching for that. Because if there is interest in that kind of a group, again, we, we often run it once a year, but we could run it twice a year. These guys are wide open to doing that because they are so passionate about blessing the church with what they're learning and coaching, especially in the financial piece. Um, but what if people say, okay, this is me and I, I, I want to, we need to start. What would be their first step? The or, fact that this was in the middle of that, you know that this wasn't a, you know, infomercial. Yeah, it's not an infomercial, yeah. <laughs> it it's just the way the series went, yeah, yeah, yeah. Other. yeah. But, um, yeah, because I can, 
I can hear in my mind, uh, as Pastor Tracy was talking, yeah, but you don't know my situation. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, but my mortgage has just gone up, yeah. you know, incrementally, steadily, and it's not stopping. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, all the things. My yep, kids, yep. I have three kids driving now. And, and I have, oh, Lord, so I, help me. <laughs> I, you, there's so many things that, you know, you just don't know my situation. Right. Um, so the most important one is go, like, go to God. Like, just go to God. Um, there are practical resources. We have the, the webinar that we did mm-hmm. last year. You yep. guys can go on the church website. Mm-hmm. Freedom KW, whatever. Yeah, whatever maybe we'll, that is. we'll repost it this week so that it. <laughs> whatever yeah, they that did is. A, about, uh, an hour, about an hour long webinar yeah, that we posted was, yeah, about, that. about a year ago or so. Um, so there's some yeah. like practical stuff in there. Um, Pastor Tracy, I'm sure people mm-hmm. could come to talk about the spiritual side of things. Um, Caitlin and I, um, I mean, we we do this with the group. We have a business doing that. We we can walk you guys through and talk with you through all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. Um, is that kind of yeah, what you were... Yeah, exactly, yeah. So if, if as, as a practical action step today, the first thing would be to go to God. Talk to and, God. And talk to God and, and say, this is where we're at. What would be appropriate next steps? And to learn what some of these principles are and to walk through with them. Um, like I said, we have some, some kind of generic resources where you can watch a webinar and do those kinds of things. Um, we do have the Financial Peace small group that, that is running right now. We'll do that again. Um, but if you're in a place where you maybe you watch that webinar or your, your heart is saying, we need to do this, we need to get on track, um, reach out to one of us. And we would love to start to walk through. I think one of the things you guys always say is you don't have to join, like for the small group piece, it's always like, you don't have to be in a disaster. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. don't have to be in a disaster to ask for help. Same with a marriage small group. You don't have to be like on the brink of divorce to be like, okay, now we need help. These are just things like what Nate and Pernillo, that was a great example of that, to fine tune, to figure out in a new stage of life how to do these things. You don't have to be like completely, although if you, and, and if you are a disaster, there's no judgment in that either. It's just like, okay, that's great. No problem. Where are you right now and how can we help you walk through? When we first started doing it, I heard that, well, we're, you know, we're okay. It's not like we're not in trouble or anything like that. And, and um, it, when we come to Jesus, we, or, or sometimes before we do that, you hear, well, I got to, you know, I got to clean some stuff up. I got to, I got to do some stuff and then I can come to him. I'm going to figure out my finances, then come to the group. Figure it up. Yeah. I got to, that's right. Yeah, got, yeah. I got to figure out my, I just got to, what if they look? We're not looking at your finances. Yeah. Don't, I, I'm not going to look at your bank account. Caitlin's not looking at your bank account. I don't care about that. Yeah. Uh, we care about your heart. Yeah. Um, so there is absolutely nothing wrong working on your marriage when it's good. There's yeah. nothing wrong with working right. on your finances when you feel like they're okay. Uh, you don't want to, I mean, you can work on them when they're, when they're a mess. Yeah. It's a lot more effective when you do it when it's good too. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, and then the principles apply. Principles apply if you make a little bit or you make a lot. Mm-hmm. It's the refocusing. Um, we're not all perfect and yeah. we could all use God's guidance. On yeah, that stuff. so if you, need, if you need help or you want to know even just some practical next steps, just talk to somebody. That's what I want to say. And I would say, honestly, as your pastor too, this is what I hear. Um, people are going to judge me. I want to tell you, that is a lie. I don't care. And they don't, nobody cares. Like, about, there's no judgment. If you are hearing in your, in your heart, I would really love some help with this area of my life, but I'm, I'm too embarrassed or I feel judged or whatever. I want you to just take that thought, which is completely, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to legitimize it and, say, and to say that that's a real feeling. Um, I honor that feeling, but I also invite you to say goodbye to it because it's not, it's not true. 
Um, it's like when you come to the altar for prayer, I can't come for prayer because people are going to think my life's a mess. Well, guess what? Our lives are all a mess. So isn't it, isn't it beautiful you see people taking steps of Yeah, faith and then you out? go, but, and the truth is that people see other people getting prayed for and go, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so that's a lie of the enemy. So if you feel like you could never, you can't get help, you can't ask for help, you can't talk about these things, it's very anti-Canadian culture to talk about money. Um, it's okay to just say, no, thank you. No, thank you, Satan. I don't receive that lie. I'm going to go and talk to somebody and we're going to move forward from here because I want to choose blessing in my life. I want to know what your word says. And there are people in the church who are specifically gifted to help with these kinds of things. And so I'm going to say yes, please to that instead. Okay. Does everybody understand the principle? Yes. That's when you, if you feel judged, you tell the enemy to back off because if you resist the enemy, he will flee from you. And that's just because it's a lie. We don't have to receive that as a church. Is that cool? Yeah. Is that so, so if, so that's the practical step. We do have some more group stuff that we do. Hopefully we'll be able to run financial peace again or whatever. We're going to rebrand it. It's maybe going to be. I heard that that, these people were in financial peace like 1.0 and I was told that the the new version of the group is like on steroids. Well, because when when people come to the group, the first question we ask is why are you here? Why did you come? And And it's it's fun. It's fun to hear that because it's like that's not why you're here. Um, You know, I want to get out of debt or I want a budget or nobody wants that stuff. No, nobody, want, I, I, nobody. No, nobody wants yeah. that stuff, right? So, so, but when you when you hear that and it's, you get that little grin on your face because it's like, I can't wait when you figure out what you're actually here for. Yeah. Um, that's the cool part. And we and, and to have a front row seat, I've, all the people yeah. that have been in the group and stuff like that, I just thank you for um, allowing Caitlin and I to have that front row seat. To, it's so cool. It's amazing to watch. Yeah, it's, so. it's really great, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's your practical step this morning is to, first of all, just if you're ready to refocus in this particular area of your life, come and talk to somebody. Just talk to somebody, and we will help you find the next practical steps that make sense for you. And don't ever think that you have to live under any kind of judgment or fear or shame. That's not what the Jesus-based life is. We, we want to understand that we can choose an attitude of stewardship, that we choose blessing, right? Yeah, so thank you to you and Caitlin both for your excellent help with this message and all that you have done for our church for years. So let's just say thank you to them. Thanks, Joel. (laughs) Joel just said, thank you for trusting us. And I'm like, yeah. It's true. I was like, you can't have crazy people doing this, but I promise they're not. I promise they're not crazy. I heard so, one one of the participants of the group said to them once, "Does Pastor Tracy know what's going? This is an amazing group. Do you guys? Does Pastor Tracy know what's going on in here? Yes, I do. Yes, I am. I am aware, and I'm very excited about it. So let's stand together, church, and let's just take a moment and receive these truths into our lives. And thank you for um, listening so intently to these stories too. But Lord Jesus, we thank you for your church. We are so blessed when we hear the stories of transformation. And are reminded that you are working in so many areas of our lives. All of us have different struggles. All of us are at different places. And you are interested in all of it. And you are able in every area. As Nate said, you are the, the best financial planner that there is. You have figured all of this out. And we just ask forgiveness, Lord, for all of the times that we have tried. Um, I've kind of forgotten, actually. Not recognize that you are the best at everything that you have figured all of these things out and it's, we have allowed the cares and the worries of this world to, to, to sit heavy on us when we hear your word calling us to trust you in all things. So I pray that that would be the cry of our hearts, that we would trust you and we would see our lives as stewardship for you. 
And you would help us in the practical ways then too. For everyone who needs to take some practical steps, God, I pray that you would bring courage and allow them to see any kind of uh, a negative thought and emotion that is attached to that would not be from you ever. But those are the, that's the work of the enemy and we say no. We resist the lies of the enemy and we say, Lord, we just receive your blessing from your word. We receive the teaching of your word. Help us to grow in it in every way. Give us hearts that are, are here to learn and here to support one another and here to encourage one another and that we would understand that's what you've brought us together as a church for. And we do pray a blessing over Joel and Caitlin and the Financial Peace Group for all that have walked through and all that all who will. Every person's life is different. I know they do very specific work. So we just do pray a blessing into their work. Give them so much wisdom as they walk with people through this really difficult um, area of life, this, this, this part that can be so stressful and have so much emotion attached to it. I pray you would give them everything they need. Give them supernatural insight um, as, you, as you allow them the opportunity to walk with others um, through this journey. So we pray over them as their church family and bless them and thank you for this anointing on their lives. And as a church, we say to you, Lord, yes to your blessing, yes to your way. Help us to walk in it and to, and to learn every day. And we pray these things together in Jesus' name and his church said, amen. amen. Be blessed, you guys. We'll see you next week for our last message of this series and tonight at Deep Roots at 630.